Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Great to see you. Great to see you. We are, uh, again, uh, wrapping up uh, uh, five or six Sundays of intentionally celebrating our 30th anniversary as a church. We're going to actually celebrate it the whole rest of this year. But I've been taking the opportunity to remind our church family, why God put the church on the planet. Not just our congregation, but every local congregation worldwide. He has five major purposes of the church. And what we discover as we keep on walking with Christ and studying His Word about the purposes of the church is we find out He has the same five purposes for every human being. Same for every human being. And so uh, this morning I want to uh, go to... Uh, uh, the fourth of these that I'm, I'm dealing with this month. And um, we find it in the words of Jesus. In, in John chapter 17, we find recorded one of the most, uh, one, of the, one of the poignant, powerful prayers of Jesus. This one was particularly so because it was just before His um, betrayal and arrest and uh, subsequent trial and crucifixion as he was praying to God the Father in John 17, 18. He said these words again. Here's the context. Jesus is praying. God the Son, Jesus, is praying to God the Father uh, these words. In the same way that you, God the Father, gave me, Jesus, a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Guess who them is? Say, say, that'd be me. One, two, three. That'd be me. That'd be me. That'd be you. Every follower of Christ, he's, he gives us a mission in this world. Now, last week, we talked about how uh, not only has God shaped you as his follower and me for a ministry in the church, not only has he shaped us for that, we discovered that it is a fundamental, it's a need that we have for significance and for life to have purpose. So we're shaped and purposed by God to serve in ministry to believers in the church, and we need it for meaning and purpose. Now, not only that, not only are, do you need and have a mission to believers in the church, you also need a mission to your world. You also need a mission to your world. We are called by God to serve in ministry to believers. We are Here's a good word, sent by Christ to share the gospel to unbelievers. I mean, he said it this way in the gospel of John chapter 20, verse 21. Read this out loud with me. Here we go. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, I did some, uh, some study on that, on that word, that Greek word for you, that pronoun there and I, uh, this week. I spent several hours on it, and I discovered that in the Greek, that word really means you. You. I mean you. I mean me. It means, it means exactly what he said. He, has, he is sending us. Now notice he said this in the present tense. I am sending you. He was saying it to the, in the context. Go all the way back. Put it in reverse about 2,000 years. And he was saying it to his disciples, those closest to him in the world 
it was recorded by God, the Holy Spirit, into Scripture to be to speak to you and me. So, he in this in the Greek tense. Now, I only know enough New Testament Greek to be dangerous, but I got this one right. In the Greek tense, the present tense means action that begins in the present that continues into the future indefinitely. So he is always sending you. He is perpetually sending me. We are at all times being sent by God on this mission. Well, what, are, well, what is the mission? Well, the words of the Apostle Paul say it most clearly. And in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 24, he said these words. The most important thing is that I complete my mission. Now, you know the most important thing in your life is to keep the most important thing the most important thing, right? Well, he tells us what the most important thing is. He says, the most important thing is that I complete my mission. He implied a mission sent by God. And here it is, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me. Whatever, whatever the Lord Jesus gives you to do, that's your mission. And he, then he defines it even further. Here it is, to tell people the good news about God's grace. Your fourth purpose in life, to live a life of meaning and significance and a life of pleasing to God, is to share the good news with your world. A great one-word focus for this purpose is the word evangelism. Uh, now, that is basically a, a word that, that means the good news. It is a proclamation of the good news of new life in Jesus Christ. Well, not only does he tell us what our mission is, he tells us where we are to fulfill it. And uh, on the day of his ascension, 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, he gathered just outside of the city of Jerusalem with his disciples, those closest to him, and he gave his famous last words. Now, you know, famous last words are usually famous because they're the last words of someone famous, but he gave these marching orders to them. That's the context, and here we find not only where they were supposed to fulfill their mission, but where you and I actually are supposed to fulfill our mission. Acts one eight. he said it this way, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus gave these instructions to them. It also was recorded through the power of the Holy Spirit to us in Scripture. It's our, it's the where you and I actually are to fulfill the mission God's given us to share it, to tell people the good news of God's grace in Christ Jesus. Well, there, there are at least two ways to look at this assignment. He gave it to his disciples originally in some, some uh, in a kind of geographic progression. First in Jerusalem, that's where they were. They were Jews in Jerusalem. That's where they were to the people right there geographically. He said, then to Judea and Samaria, which uh, of the, the three major regions of Palestine or the Middle East in those days, the southernmost region was Judea, the middle region was Samaria, the northernmost region was Galilee, the, the hometown of Jesus. And, um, and so those two regions, Judea and Samaria, were, okay, we're going to expand out of Jerusalem to the people in Judea and then in Samaria. 
And then he said, to the ends of the earth, everybody else. Now imagine with me, being one of those disciples who uh, had never traveled outside of the Middle East, or outside of Palestine, really, uh, just about, you know, they basically did 70-mile trips up and down from Jerusalem to Galilee. And um, he said, and you're to take it to the ends of the earth. I imagine him looking and said, you know, those preachers always speak in superlatives. They just don't, they just, he's just, you know, kind of outraged. Ends of the earth, really. We've just never been outside of this little region. Uh, there's another way of looking at this assignment. First of all, he could have been saying, uh, you are to fulfill this mission of telling everyone the good news of God's grace in Christ Jesus. Uh, in Jerusalem could have been the people in your own world, the people nearest to you, the people you know. Uh, Judea and Samaria could have been out beyond your world to people who live near you, but they are different from you, maybe different in race or in ethnicity or language, uh, culture, but they live near you. Maybe different in economics. Either they have, they're have they much more wealthy than you and live in another socioeconomic uh, class or, or maybe their economics are, or, or, or they have much less than you. People different from you, but near you. And then, that, that to the ends of the earth pretty much means everybody else to the ends of the earth still. So we're going to look at it both ways here. Now notice he says here, you'll be my witnesses. He doesn't say, you'll be my defense attorneys. He doesn't say, you'll be my sales force. He says, you will be my witnesses. Now a witness uh, in the court of law in our culture, you know, is one who simply tells what they have seen and heard and experienced. And that's what we are to be. You are the expert witness on you in your life. What you have seen of Christ, what you have heard of Christ, what you have experienced with Christ. You are the, you are the expert witness. You are the eyewitness for uh, your own encounter in life with Jesus Christ. And that is what you and I are to share. So, so how, Pastor, you might say, well, how do I practically go about fulfilling this, this mission, this being sent on mission with God? Well, here's how you do it. You share with your world, you share beyond your world, and you share with the whole world. Let's talk about the first one. First of all, you share with your own world. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, or in your own world, in the pe- with the people nearest you. In uh, Mark chapter 5, and in Luke chapter 8, there is an account of Jesus uh, casting demons out of a man and restoring him to sanity and to life and, and holy. He, he's a picture of redemption that Jesus brings to people. And he was so grateful. He was so thankful to Jesus for Jesus saving his life in his in his. His whole eternity. He said, I want to go with you. I want to follow you like the rest of your disciples. Now that would that seems like a noble thing, doesn't it? It is. But Jesus said, No. That's a surprising answer to me. But you'll find in Luke chapter 8, verse 39, it's going to be on the screen. Jesus told him, No. Instead, go back home and tell people how much God has done for you. So the man went all over town, his hometown, telling how much Jesus had done for him. 
That's what we're talking about here. Underline that phrase, go back home. Go back home. Go back home. Go back to the people. How do we say it here? Where you live, where you, where you, yeah, where you live and work and play. The people that you know, where you live and where you work and where you play. Under your own roof, your immediate family, uh, around your, on your street to your neighbors, in the office with your co-workers, uh, to anyone that crosses your path in this community, to the clerk that helps you at the store. Uh, God is saying, I want you to share the good news of grace through Jesus Christ to the people in your Jerusalem, in your own home. Now, now why don't we do this? Well, there's several reasons. Number one, we're, we get a little nervous about it. Uh, but, but number two, we, we, think, um, we think, oh, they won't be interested in spiritual. They're not interested in spiritual things. Well, a few years ago, the Gallup organization did a nationwide poll and discovered that there are uh, 65 million Americans who have absolutely no connection to a local congregation at all. At all. They're completely secular. 34 million of them indicated that they would be interested and open to attending a church if someone invited them. If someone invited them. Fascinating. Fascinating. In fact, I think we've got a little video about that. Can we show that now, guys? Are we sure we can do that? Yeah, take a look at the screen. Okay, here's the question. Do you believe you have a personal responsibility to share your faith? Surveys have shown that the overwhelming majority of you would answer yes. Okay, so what about this question? Have you shared your faith with anyone in the last six months? Surveys have shown that a majority of you would answer this question? No. I guess it's just not as easy as it seems, or at least as easy as we'd like it to be. Well, here's another question. How many times have you personally invited an unchurched person to church? Now, this seems simple, right? And yet, surveys tell us that almost half of you would answer zero. I mean... There are lots of reasons why we don't, right? Like, maybe it still feels a little awkward and uncomfortable. Or maybe we're just unsure how effective it is. Or we just expect to hear them say, well, no. Okay, so listen to this. When people are asked why they came to church in the first place, the vast majority of them say, I began attending because someone invited me. It wasn't the music or the pastor, it wasn't the childcare, the youth program, or the building. Although these are all great things, important and valuable things, the main thing that got most of you up and through that door the first time wasn't any of these. It was an invitation. Easter will be here soon. It's the perfect Sunday to share with others what your faith is all about. And it can all start with one more simple question. Want to come to church on Sunday? Let's change the stats and let God change hearts and lives this Easter. And let's start with something simple. An invitation.
so I want the person on the end of the left end of each row to reach under your chair and get the offering basket and pass those down. You'll find packets of little invitations that we prepared for you to use as a tool to invite the people on your prayer list, the people in your world to Easter services. So take as many as you'd like, take as many as you'd like and uh, give them out. And then when you, uh, when you get all the packs you need, pass that basket all the way back down and let them put it back under the chair. Would you do that? Pass that all the way back down and let them put it under the, under the chair. Now, I have uh, heard of some people who are very creative and effective at this. I, I don't know what you call this person. How many of you get your nails done? A couple of you men? Okay, I, ha- I forgot. It's been a while, so I forget. What do you call a person who does your nails? A manicurist. Okay, that makes sense. I know of a manicurist who um, uh, uses uh, the captive audience uh, that they have when they're working on uh, someone's nails uh, just in natural conversation to tell the reason for the hope they have in this life. They, they share their faith. I heard of an eye doctor, I don't know him personally, but I've heard of him, I'd like to meet him, uh, who uh, created his own eye charts and, uh, and he used the four spiritual laws. Some of you don't know what the four spiritual laws is. It's a little, it's a little presentation of the good news written by a man uh, named Dr. Bill Bright years ago. And there's four main truths about Jesus and how we come to faith. And he made it his eye chart. Can you imagine going to your eye doctor and he says, okay, cover your right eye and read the first line. God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. I mean, that, he, he did. He did it. He did it. Um, I, uh, I have a friend who's retired now. He was, a, he was an upscale wallpaper hanger. I mean, he did expensive murals and... He was in great demand, and um, uh, when he would finish a job, everybody loved him because he's so good and he's such a great guy. He would say, well, this is my part-time job. Let me tell you my real uh, job. He said, my real reason for being here on this earth. And he said, give me five minutes, and he would just quickly tell of his story in faith. Uh, They had found ways just to being themselves with the audience they had at the time to share uh, their their faith. Uh, God wants all people come to know Him, come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. And it starts by just sharing with the people in your own world. You can fulfill your mission if you'll do that. Also, if you, number two, if you'll share with uh, beyond your world. Share beyond your uh, world. The, um, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will be witnesses for me to the, uh, excuse me, where am I? I missed my spot here. In all Judea and Samaria. In all Judea and Samaria. So love requires that we go beyond our comfort zone. And my comfort zone are people who are just like me, who are where I'm from, they speak the same language, from the same, same culture. And, uh, but God calls us to go beyond that. Our mission our, has such eternal consequences of heaven and hell that we have to go beyond our comfort zone. I love Paul's words inspired by God's Spirit in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9. Whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Now, remember, these are people who are not like us, but they might still be near us. When Allison and I first moved to Peachtree City on our little cul-de-sac of just nine homes 
right around the cul-de-sac and the entrance to the cul-de-sac, uh, the first couple we met were from Nicaragua. The second couple family we met were from the Philippines, natives of the Philippines. And the third co- family we met were some foreign country called, like, Connecticut. And so, uh, I mean, people from everywhere, you know, not, but not people not from where I was from and, and had a different perspective. You, you can do this without ever leaving Fayette County, without ever leaving East Coweta, without ever leaving South Fulton uh, County. So it's just people who are near but who are different from you. First of all, in race or ethnicity or uh, culture or even uh, language. Now, when, when Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Samaria, he was saying, you're going to be witnesses to people who are near you, but they are different from you. For the Samaritans were different from the Jews. They, were, uh, had, a little, they had a different ethnicity, uh, a little bit different uh, dialect. They were from a different culture. Their religion was, was different. They were, very di- they were near, but they were different. And Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses to people near you, but who are different from you. Also, uh, you can do this. Uh, there, there are people who are different from you, as I've said, in economics. Um, God says our actions are proved by our love, especially to those who have less of the world's riches than we do at the moment. He, he described it in Matthew 25. He said, this is what it would look like. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger or, a, or a, uh, an immigrant and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing didn't have the right clothing or enough clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Dogwood members, on your own, where you live, work, and play, have the opportunity to do this, and our church facilitates it. For example, we have a, a, a one of our ministry programs is called English is a Second Language. Terry Dull, raise your hand, both hands there, Terry. Nah, come on, come on. There you go. Uh, you got them up. She she leads this ministry called English is a Second Language. Now you say, well, I don't know any other languages. How can I do this? You only have to know English. Now I realize some of you might be like me and be from Harrison County, Georgia, and you're still working on American English. But, um, but, but you generally know it better than people who come from another culture who don't yet know the language and want to assimilate into the culture here. Uh, well, then join that team. And that'd be a way to connect with people who are different from you. And um, we, we teach them English by teaching the scriptures. It's a powerful thing. Uh, also, you can connect with people who are different economically by uh, participating in our Real Life Center. You can be an assessment counselor to talk with either church members or people in the community who find themselves under-resourced and need to get the situation in view and know how much help and what that help is that they need. You can serve in our uh, crisis financial assistance team or the clothing distribution or food distribution or financial coaching or resume help or career mentoring and job preparedness for interviews, work at home options. We offer those. Also, we offer life educational classes. You have skills. You have life knowledge and skills that other people need. And our team, our Real Life Center, is always looking for Dogwood members who can teach these one session, uh, usually one session um, Life classes, some of them are spiritual, some of them are financial, some of them are relational, marriage and parenting, and some of them are deal with business. I mean, all kind of, you have life 
skills and knowledge that many people don't have and they desperately need it. Well, volunteer. That'll be a way for you to connect personally. Uh, And it's going to be even easier than it uh, has been because uh, we're now pursuing aggressively uh, the plans uh, and the construction of our new Real Life Center facilities on our campus. It's going to be located just east of this building uh, on the Dogwood Trail entrance exit facing the our orchard uh, be right here on the campus. Uh, we're in the, we hope to complete the plans by the end of this year, uh, start construction early in, uh, no later than early 2018, com- complete it by the end of 2018 and occupy it and here we go. So exciting things. But you can live out your purpose of sharing the good news of new life through the grace of God through Jesus Christ uh, by sharing the gospel in your own world, by sharing it beyond your world, and also by sharing it with the whole world. Got that down. Sharing with the whole world. Now look, Acts 1.8. Jesus once again, speaking to His disciples, said, You will be witnesses for Me to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth. I want you to notice a couple of things about Matthew, I mean, excuse, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Was, who was He speaking to? Was Jesus speaking to pastors here? No, the answer is no. Ready? No. Was he speaking to missionaries? No. He was speaking to everyday normal people, people who, commercial fishermen, carpenters, uh, one tax collector, uh, one one political operative, uh, just everyday folks, just like you and me. And he said, take it to the ends of the earth. Now that might have seemed outrageous to them, and it may even sound outrageous. I'm, I'm going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Sounds outrageous to me. Well, but Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, take a look at the screen. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Now, 30 years ago, when we started this church, in one of my very first sermons to the congregation, some of you, Allison was in the room. I'm seeing a few others of you who were in the room that day. I said, I believe that God is putting this church here in proximity to the busiest airport in the world so this church can take the gospel to the world. I had no idea what I was saying. And I've always talked about how how much our church travels. I had no idea. How many of you received the email from me this week uh, asking about where you've traveled in the last 12 months? Yeah, most of you did. I, that's the most. I got within two days. I heard from three hundred of you. Now that great theologian and philosopher Jimmy Rexrode is sitting in the. And I heard from him, and he said, "Does Alabama count?" I don't. I don't know. Maybe parts of it. I think Jimmy. Parts of it. I believe do. Um, well, I had a lot of fun with that, but I had no idea. In the last twelve months, take a look at this. The last twelve months. Um, Dogwood Church has been in, in these locations. Now, some of you are like me, you know, I realized Hong Kong, you know, that's not, and Nova Scotia is a province, so my geography in putting all this together was a little. 93 countries. Just, just this church. Just you. In 12 months. You see the blue? That's how much of the world Dogwood Church covered 
in the last 12 months. Take a look at that a little closer. I said, what's that big one up there? Is that Greenland up there? We don't care about them much, do we? Huh? We, there's some places. We, I'm, I'm sure we've missed some, like I already know. Like one of our members today is in Liberia. I know they're doing so on business. Uh, we've, well, I'm probably, I didn't hear from some of you. We covered more than this. Now, there's only 196 countries in the whole cotton-picking world, and Dogwood was in half of them almost in one year. Oh, my, my soul. Do you think that, that those disciples 2,000 years had any idea? Just you. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm shocked, wonderfully shocked by... This, if you like to travel, you chose the right church. You chose the right church. And so here's what I've got to, here's, here's one of my questions for you. And my big question of the day is this. So what if you started traveling on purpose? God's purpose. What if you started traveling on God's purpose? I mean, let's just, just, let's just imagine for a second that uh, those of us in, in, in the Dogwood Church family, that we're the only Christians on the planet. There are no others. There's no others. Every Christian that exists on the planet right now, we're in this church. I mean, just the size we are right now, just in our current condition. We literally have the opportunity to take the gospel to every nation in the world within, within a year. We have the capacity to do that. I mean, think about that. Think about that. What if we did that? What if we did that? What if we What if we did that? And say so, so. And what if you What if you What if you traveled on purpose? What if now, whether some of those uh, we got there because we were going on Christian mission trips, most of them were business, either governmental or or corporate or you know some. Most of them were, were business. Some of it was vacation. A good bit of it was people traveling uh, for, for uh, vacation. Regardless of the, of the opportunity or the reason, what if, we, what if we traveled on purpose, God's purpose to be sent on mission, and that you began to fulfill your mission where you go, whether it's business, pleasure, or, or whatever, to the other countries? Say, so, Now, you know what that... You know what that would look like? So how would we go about that, Pastor? What would I do? Write this down. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm just so wiped out by this. I'm so blown away by this right now. The opportunity that we have. I thought, oh, we have a much bigger opportunity than I ever imagined as a congregation. Ever imagined. But now somebody knows what we would do. And so raise your right hand. Yeah, this I'm raising my left one, but it matches your right one there. So raise your right hand. Raise your right hand. <laughs> That's funny. Raise your, and I raised my left. Raise your right hand. I now swear you in to help figure this out. You are now on mission to figure this out. What it, I mean, what practically could we put in your hand when all of a sudden you've got, you, you have need to go to um, Saudi Arabia, or you have need to go to Kenya, or you have need to go to South Africa, or to, or to China, or, or to Norway? in the next uh, month. And so, okay, so what would it look like for me to be going on on God's purpose? 
simultaneously? What would I actually do? So I know, I know a couple of things we can do. First one's this. Would you just begin in your travels when you know you have an assignment, a date out there that you're going to travel, would you begin praying, Lord Jesus, uh, I'm going to be going here on business, but would you? I want to also be on your business. I want to be on your business. So would you show me what you want me to do, how you want me to do it, with whom and when while I'm there that would optimize the gospel? Is that safe? To, is that good to pray? I mean, that's not safe to pray. Is that good to pray? I mean, can you start there? Because let's ask him, and then here's your second step. Whatever he tells you, do that. Whatever he tells you, do that. What will he tell me? I don't know, but he does. He's really, really smart. He's really, really smart. And so just say, okay, Lord, what, I, here I am. Here's, I, I'll do this. I'll do this. What do you want me to do? And would you let, would you then send, write me and start saying, here's what, here are the instructions I got. Here's what I did. Here's what happened. Here's the instructions I got, seemed to get from God. Here's what I did. Here's what happened. Will you do that? And, and we're going to start compiling this and see if God gives us a pattern about how he wants us to, uh, uh, to operate, uh, to operate. So, uh, wow, what a, we're going to have a big year. We're going to have a big year. And uh, I can't wait to see what he's, going to, uh, what he's going to do. I mean, just imagine with me what could happen. Imagine with me that you're sent by your corporation to go visit the, uh, the, the factory, the manufacturing plant of your company, like I said, in Norway. And you're in the country, and after hours, uh, your your colleague there, who's hosting you, takes you out to dinner, and just starts to say, "Well, let's not talk about business. Tell me about your family. Tell you know." You start into personal things, and it and an open door, a very open door, comes to say, "And I am a follower of of Jesus." Really, tell me about that. Boom. You tell them they come to faith. They come to faith in Christ. And God's hand is on them and they become the, the Apostle Paul to the country of Norway. They start a gospel movement, a church planting movement, or they become the Billy Graham of Europe. That kind of stuff's happened, you know, down through history. You may be the delivery person to that. I'm kind of making this sermon up as I go along at this point, so I'm just I'm just overwhelmed by this opportunity we have uh, to really live life on mission. This one little church to touch the world. Jesus said in Mark chapter eight, verse thirty-five: "If you insist on saving your own life, you will lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live." God came to four different prophets in the Old Testament and called them to send them with His message. Uh, and they gave Him four different responses. God's sending you. Now you get to respond. Now will you respond like Moses? Who said, 
Who, me? Or will you respond like Jonah? Who said, not me. Or will you respond like Habakkuk? And say, why me? Or will you respond like Isaiah? Who said, here, 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 my Lord, send me. Say it. You say it too. Let's pray. Lord, Lord. Grant us the grace and the power of Your Spirit in our hearts to unlock our willingness that we would say to You, Here, my Lord, send me. Here, my Lord, send me. I'll do what You want me to do, how You want me to do it, with whom and when to optimize the spread of the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ that is available to all men. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us as a congregation to build our lives on you, to build our lives on your love, to build our lives on your salvation, to build our lives on your grace, to build our lives on your word, that we may be very effective ambassadors for Christ, beseeching people to be reconciled to God through faith in you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.